0: If you have your copy of Scripture, we're going to read again the second of three weeks from Hosea, this time from the third chapter. We'll read verses one through three. Hosea 3, one through three. But first, a heart is on the line each and every time, love is stolen in the shadows of the night. Though it's wrong all along, it keeps going on as long as you keep it out of sight." Alan Jackson continued, but still you wonder, who's cheating who, and who's being true, and who don't even care anymore? It makes you wonder, who's doing right with someone tonight, and whose car is parked next door? This week, we're talking about cheating. But don't worry, I'm not gonna name names. We're talking now about Hosea and Gomer, the, one of the most famous stories of cheating in all of history, one of the most famous stories of infidelity and forgiveness ever told. This is isn't this is short the story a good man a righteous man at the prompting of God himself married a promiscuous woman now we don't know what he knew and when he knew it we don't know he he told the story in retrospect looking back so he knew looking back that he'd married a promiscuous woman did he go into it with that knowledge we just don't know but we know that he married a woman with a pornographic past and they perpetual propensity for promiscuity. I'm just proud to have made it through that. We know that she wandered probably multiple times. We imagine that based on what Hosea will, will hear later. But we know that that Hosea followed her, that that he followed her trail of infidelity to the no-tell motel district of Samaria, that he paid money, he paid money for her freedom, and thus symbolized the love of God. Hosea, illumined by God's Spirit, inspired by God's Spirit, recognized the uncanny parallels between his story with Gomer, an unfaithful woman and God's story with his people and unfaithful people and so in the first three chapters of the book of Hosea are woven together the, the story of of this faithful righteous man and this wandering promiscuous woman and the faithfulness of God and the goodness and grace of God in these People who would not remain faithful. In the, in the first three chapters are woven together those two, those two stories. We're going to look at that story again this week. We'll look at it a third time next week. Last time, last week, we, we concentrated on Hosea. Today, I want us to concentrate on the promiscuous woman with the funny name, Gomer. We'll look at things kind of from, from her perspective. We know that Gomer not only strayed from her marriage vows, but she ended up uh, in the dark world of of the sex trade, in what we we might call commercial infidelity. We know that because when, when Hosea went to get her, he didn't just knock on some dude's door and say, hey, I know my wife's in there. You tell her to come out here. She's going home with me. He didn't just knock on somebody's door. He had to pay which meant there was business involved. Again, commercial infidelity. How did Gomer end up there? How did this woman end up having left a a healthy family and a husband who loved her with a unique love? How did she end up in the dark world of, of the sex trade? How did she end up there? Did she wake up one morning and say, you know, I think did she wake up and out of the blue say, I think today I'll start a life of jumping in and out of bed of anonymous men, highly unlikely How did did Gomer end up there? You might have seen the movie Redeeming Love or read the book. It was a very popular book, really wonderful movie. Somebody recommended it to us and Carrie and I watched it about a month ago. It's, it's the story of Hosea and Gomer. It's set in the, the Old West in the 1800s of America and uh, the man in the story is named Michael Hosea. The woman in the story is named Angel. After all, you couldn't name her Gomer for a good movie, right? So her name is Angel. So she's a little girl. She, the, the, the movie begins with Angel as a little girl born to an unwed mother, to a father who cared nothing for her, who wanted nothing to do with her, a cold-hearted man who wouldn't provide for his little girl or for his wife. And so his, her mother, Angel's mother, desperate to provide for herself and her little girl, begins to rent her body. And so, Angel, the little girl, watches these men come and go. And then her mother dies when Angel is still a little girl. And she is, what we would say today, she was trafficked. She was bought by the man who, a man who owned a brothel, brought into the brothel. That's where she grew up. And by the time she was a young woman, she was the, the most popular employee of the brothel. And then there was this man in town, Michael Hosea, who loved her, not like the other men loved her. And he would pay for 30 minutes of her time, but not for the same reason that other men would pay. He would, he would talk with her, and he would say, You're, you can do better than this, and I love you. And, And then he takes her as his bride, and then she's she can't get used to this unusual way of being loved And so she's tempted to, to go back to her old way of life And he goes back and, and gets her But my point of telling that is that you, you, you might say that the die was cast By the time she was a young woman That what she had experienced was so painful that, that, and, and so she grew up to do what she did Because of what had been done to her now, that's just a movie, I know, but, but maybe the story of the real Gomer is not so terribly different. I, I will not say for certain what we cannot know for certain about Gomer, but I can say with confidence that she didn't wake up one morning and say out of the blue, I think, I think I'll start jumping into, the, into bed with anonymous men. Something must have happened. Maybe she was abused, and maybe she had a warped, idea of a physical intimacy because of because of the painful abuse or maybe at some point early in her life she had felt desperate like she didn't have like she didn't have any other options or maybe maybe she felt like she didn't deserve better i've told you before about the little trailer that was across from the first church I served as pastor out in, the, out in rural Kentucky. In that trailer across from our church, church lived a, 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 a lady not married with two little girls. The live-in boyfriend was there most of the time. He was kind of in and out. And then there was another guy that they called an uncle. And I tried to get to know them. And then there was that terrible night When things got violent over there, the state police came. Carrie and I took the little girls overnight. The next day, I went with that young woman to help her get a restraining order. She was done with that guy. He had hurt her that night. He had hurt her before in front of the girls, and she was done with him. And so we spent all day driving up to Elizabethtown, got the restraining order. And then that night, I was out somewhere driving home, drove in front of the church and looked over to the the trailer and there was there was his car again in the driveway again. When I saw her next I asked her, Why did you let him come back? I'll never forget, I think, her answer. I don't deserve no better, she said. I wonder if Gomer thought, I don't deserve no better. I'm afraid there are a lot of women who subject themselves to abuse because they feel they don't deserve no better. I don't know what happened to Gomer that, that caused her to be so promiscuous that ended her ended up with her in that dark world she ended up in, but I can say with confidence that she didn't wake up one morning and out of the blue decide to make a mess of her life. She was, I'm quite certain, trying to fill some emptiness or dull some pain and ended up a slave to strangers. I wonder what happened to make Gomer so promiscuous and I wonder what toll her infidelity took on her emotions. I wonder what her infidelity took on her emotions some of you know the name Rihanna she's a pop icon I figure if I quote Alan Jackson I need to quote Rihanna or somebody like that so she has a song titled unfaithful and here's some of the words I know that he knows I'm unfaithful and every time I walk out the door I see him die a little more inside and I don't want to hurt him anymore. I wonder if Gomer ever felt guilty. I wonder if she ever if, if it ever hurt her inside to see Gomer dying a little bit every time she every time she walked out the door. I wonder if she felt badly for good old, naive, maybe faithful. Hosea. I, I don't know about the impact on her emotions, but I do know she suffered consequences of her choices we always do there always are consequences we love talking about forgiveness and redemption as well we should but, but we should never forget that there are consequences Numbers 32 23 be sure your sin will find you out somehow Gomer's sin found her out Proverbs 27 28 if you build a pit you will fall into it Gomer fell into her own pit. And Hosea, chapter 8, verse 7, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. What does that mean? It means that we do things that don't seem so bad at the time and then the consequences are far greater than we could have imagined. The the ripple effect, the the pain brought on by people close to us who love us. The the regret with which we, we live, the, the consequences seem sometimes worse than we would imagine. We sow the wind and we reap the whirlwind. And so Gomer sowed the wind, reaped the whirlwind. There always are, there always are consequences. I don't know all the consequences with which Gomer lived, but I, I certainly can imagine some, can't you? The, she had to go back and rebuild her relationship with her children if she went back. She, had, she went back, she had to, to regain the trust of her friends and the trust of her husband. And, and then there were all the memories that probably haunted her, the, the regret, the, the wasted years, the, 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 the scars that remained long after the wounds had healed. I, I don't know all the consequences, but there had to have been some. There always, there always are. When we build pits, we fall into them. Our, our sin finds us out. There was an article in um, the New York Times of all places a few years ago that I copied and kept. Now, the title is, um, Why Monogamy Matters. And in the New York Times, the study that the author quoted a study, that it, I'm, and I'm quoting now, finds a significant correlation between sexual restraint and emotional well-being between monogamy and happiness, and also found the link between promiscuity and depression. It turns out that being faithful is healthy, not just spiritually but emotionally, that, that being committed, that being faithful is healthy, and being unfaithful is unhealthy. turns out that Hank Williams Sr. was right. Your cheating heart will make you weak. You'll cry and cry and try to sleep, but sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you, ask Gomer. There always are consequences. We love the stories of forgiveness and redemption, and well we should, but there are always consequences. You eat too many Doritos, by the way, I think that's pushing it about Doritos being junk food. But, other, but I, I, you know, I think <laughs> there always are consequences. So let's remember, and here's where we're going to the Bible, finally. Chapter 3, 1 through 3. This is the scene where Hosea pays money to redeem his wife off the sex trade market. And I'm going to be reading from the translation called The Message. Then God ordered me, Hosea said... Start all over. Love your wife again, your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. I did it, Hosea says. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. And then I told her, from now on, you're living with me. No more whoring, no more sleeping around. You're living with me and I'm living with you. Hosea said, come home, but we're not going to play this cheating game anymore. I'll support you, but I won't share you. I'll provide for you, but I won't share you. I will love you, but I won't share you. Symbolizing the grace of God, please understand that We should never confuse grace with indulgence. That God's offer of forgiveness always comes with the demand that we be willing to change. That God's offer of forgiveness always comes with the demand that we be willing to change, as in the story that Kristen mentioned. They threw this adulterous woman at the feet of Jesus. Where are your accusers? They're gone. Then he said, I don't condemn you either. In other words, I won't hate you, and I won't write you off. But then he said, go and sin no more. Don't do this anymore. You are made for better than that. Her sin was neither excused, nor overlooked, nor condoned. God's offer of forgiveness always comes with the willingness to change. Never confuse grace with indulgence. You've heard the saying probably, God loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Gomer, the promiscuous woman with the funny name made a mess of things. And maybe some of us have too. And maybe that's why it's such a popular story. Maybe some of us have too. So how do we make things right? The Bible speaks a great deal, especially in the New Testament, about repentance. And that word, repentance, is the the word metanoia, meta-change, as in metamorphosis, and noia, as in thinking. It's it's, it's new thinking. In the world of recovery, people are taught that that change begins when you get rid of what they call stinking thinking. You gotta you gotta you gotta think differently. It begins with thinking differently about our sins. In other words, we don't try to rationalize them anymore. We don't try to explain them away anymore. We don't try to justify them anymore. We don't blame society anymore. We don't blame our parents anymore. We don't say, well, I'm only human anymore. To quote Jeremiah 3.13, acknowledge your guilt. So we We acknowledge, I'm I'm responsible. There may have been choices that were hard because of of my past, and there may have been terrible influences in my life, and I may be trying to dull pain or fill emptiness, and all that may be true, but ultimately, I am responsible. I am responsible. It begins with a new way of thinking that I am responsible, not somebody else and not influences in my life, but I am responsible. And then it begins, and then comes the difference in thinking about, about yourself, about your identity. Comes in a, a change of thinking about who you are. Sarah Bessie was a 19-year-old, a, a new believer, a new follower of Jesus. Went to church to a, like a, a young adult group. I, I imagine college students students. So the minister trying to make a point about sexual purity passed around a cup he, he, he passed it this you know around the room around the circle and everybody that everybody that took the cup he said i want you to spit in it so they t- you know he, everybody spit in the cup and then when he got all the way around he held up the cup and he said would you want to drink out of that oh no and then he said he said, that's what it's like if, if you have a physical relationship before marriage, then, then you're asking your husband or wife to, to do something like that. And, and so Sarah, she understood the point he was trying to make. But she felt so horrible about herself. She'd already made some bad choices. And she looked around the room and thought, all these other people are holy and pure, and I'm the, one, I'm the only one. She felt, she said, like damaged goods. Now, there are consequences to sinful choices. I've, I've tried to make that clear, but consequences are one thing. Shame is quite another, and that sense of dishonor is quite another. You are not damaged goods. You are loved with a love beyond measure. You are the apple of your Creator's eye. You are not damaged goods. In 1 John 1 9, when we confess our sins, He is so faithful and good that He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all the messes we have made. Please don't look at yourself as damaged goods. You are loved beyond measure with immeasurable potential At the core of who you are, you are not damaged goods. Let me head toward home with with this. I I noticed something for the first time. I'm I'm sure I've told the story of Jose and Gomer a number of times. I, I realized something this time that I never had noticed. We don't know whether Gomer went home with him or not. I've always assumed it. She did. I've always assumed, kind of the, the reunion at home. How were the kids? Did they receive her well and all? I, I've always imagined that, but we don't know. Their story ends in chapter three with what he read, uh, what we read a moment ago, when Hosea says, "Now you're going to go home with me, but we're not going to do this cheating thing anymore." Curtain falls. Lights close. We're left wondering. Did she? Did she go home with him or did she? Did she not? Oh, Travis, come on. Sure, of course she went home with him. She was Her life was a mess and, and Hosea was loving her. Of course she went home. Maybe. Maybe not. People have made worse decisions before and since. Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. A crippled man. Do you want to be made well? Well, Now, Jesus, what kind of question is that? Well, maybe, maybe he was kind of accustomed to lying around the pool and letting people throw shekels into his hat. Do you want to be made whole? If Gomer went home, she'd have to rebuild her relationship with her kids and face her friends and And do housework and rebuild her marriage maybe she wasn't ready for that you see Hosea could pay her ransom but only Gomer could choose her freedom please don't miss that that may be one of the most important points in the story that Hosea could pay her ransom but only Gomer could choose her, her freedom. So God will not coerce you, he will not force you, he will, he will woo you, to use an old-fashioned phrase, he will try to lovingly attract you. God will invite you to the party, but he will not force you to come. Hosea could pay the ransom, but only Gomer could choose her freedom and so 2000 years ago God gave his one and only son who took upon himself our sins and died voluntarily and lovingly paying the, the price for our, our freedom and now the choice is ours last thing quickly going back to the movie Redeeming Love remember the story Angel is this little girl she, she watches stuff that a little girl shouldn't see growing up and And then as a young adult, uh, she becomes a promiscuous woman, loved with this unfailing love of Michael Hosea. And and yet, even when she's in his home as as his wife, she can't quite get used to this unusual, unconditional love. And so she's drawn back into the life she once knew. And Michael Hosea pursues her and brings her home. And then her life began to change with this quote. Her husband said to her, You did not choose the life you have, but you can choose the life you want. Wow. You did not choose the life you have, Things happen to you angel that should never happen to anybody and you you've survived you've lived through it but now angel you have a choice about the rest of your life you do not choose the life you have but you can choose the life you want and so and so there it stands that's where the story ends with the ball in Gomer's court and the ball in our court and so Jesus paid the ransom but only we can choose our freedom and so God calls softly and tenderly he calls to his children come home 474 is the number we're going to sing We sing so that you will come as others are singing. We're going to wait for you down here to be part of our church family to follow Jesus. And let me turn my attention just for a moment to those who, and let me look right here at this camera, so so those who are watching. uh, We're going to sing here, uh, but right where you are, uh, you have a choice to make. And so the proverbial ball is in is in your court too, as well as in the court of all of those of us who are in this room. So this invitation to to grace is not just an invitation for those in this room. It's an invitation to us all while we sing softly and tenderly. Let's stand, please.